You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. This is an episode you're going to enjoy. If you don't, you'll be sleeping with the fish. I can guarantee that. Or, you know, maybe a a set of cement shoes. You know, you never know. But all you could say is forget about it. You know, you know, it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about our favorite gangsters and mobsters. It's, you know... An interesting topic, you know, it's it's been a long time since we've just picked, like, a subject matter to talk about. It's been for months now. It feels like it's been review after review after review. So I think this is going to be kind of fun. And we got a great crew to talk all about it. Of course, Mr. Mike Gordon is here. Howdy. And, uh, you know, you're not going to do your Italian accent or your, you know. I am. I No, that's that could get me into serious trouble. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to stay away from any sort of, uh, you know, anything that could be construed as sort of uh, some sort of stereotype or whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's this is these are dangerous people we're talking about here. I have to treat it pretty seriously. Oh, very much so. And we're also joined. It's been a long time, actually, since he's been on the show. Welcome back, Nick Fraser. Thank you very much. And I will also not indulge in anything stereotypical, especially not to offend our fourth guest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. This woman was like chomping at the bit. She said, Faber, I better be on the show if you know what's good for you. <laughs> Let's welcome Tony and Marini. Welcome to the show. Hey, as a... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, a self-proclaimed Italian grandmother. Uh, I will do lots of stereotypical things like talk with my hands. They will be in the frame all the time. Um, I uh, I grew up in New Jersey, so I will also have lots of fun New Jersey gangster uh, things to talk about, but I'm happy to be here. What exit? Very funny. <laughs> Ten. Okay. You too. That's where yeah. I grew up too. Yep, Woodbridge, born and raised. I was born and raised in Perth Amboy, so there you go. Yep, yep. So, awesome. So, it's very cool to be able to talk all about this, and we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Feedback at Earth Station One is the best way to get in touch with us. And if you're watching us up on YouTube, please, as always, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. The graphic will be up, everything. So, you know, just like and subscribe. So I think this is going to be a great topic, and we're going to just have tons of fun with it. And you know what, Mr. Mike? Let's roll with it. So much so much to talk about, so much history. According to what I, uh, little research I did, uh, the, the, uh, the movie, yeah, the American movie, uh, The Black Hand in 1906, was the was thought to be the first 
earliest surviving gangster movie. There could have been others before that, but this is the only one that survived. There was a few other gangster movies in the silent era. D.W. Griffith did uh, Musketeers of Pig Alley. really became, and it's interesting because this year, uh, Warner Brothers is celebrating its 100th anniversary. And I don't know if there's any other studio, movie studio, that's associated with, uh, did more or less, maybe, or whatever, good or bad, for um, for gangsters or mobsters than Warner Brothers did. Uh, you're talking about Little Caesar in 1931, uh, Cagney, uh, Robinson, uh, White Heat, I think, uh, is one of the ones that I think uh, I think of. Uh, well, Little Caesar was Robinson, right? And White Heat was Cagney. And those two guys were pretty much like the main figures, uh, George Raft, Humphrey Bogart, I mean, a lot of great actors came uh, out of the movement. Um, so, uh, and this is a lot of it was, a lot of it came about because of the Great Depression. Uh, gangsters were heroes. Uh, I think that's one thing that came out of the Great Depression is that uh, these guys who were criminals uh, were looked at as as, as heroes um, because of uh, the Great Depression, Prohibition, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really interesting to see how they're depicted on the screen, you know, obviously in film and uh, in TV later on. So we're going to, a lot to cover here, a lot to cover. But I want to start with you, Tony Ann. Do you remember like your earliest sort of experience with a gangster fictionalized on TV or, or movies? Um, well, there were the um, sitcoms I watched with my parents. We watched a lot of like, like the Nick at Night stuff when I was growing up. So there was like, you know, the I Love Lucy and the Dream I Dream of Jeannie and all of the, and every once in a while there would be an Italian person portrayed and they'd always be either some goofy stereotype or they'd be a mobster um, in that sort of, you know, slick back uh, kind of uh, almost always like what I'd call a, a greasy adaptation. Um, that That's the only word I could use to describe it. But I always took those as, you know, just how people always made fun of certain other groups because I didn't really understand growing up that um, people are awful. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I would see other groups being poked fun of too. So it wasn't like, I felt like Italian people were always being picked on. But then as I grew up, I realized there weren't a lot of Italian people portrayed in any other ways. This was the way. Um, to uh, quote my favorite favorite Mandalorian, so um, <laughs> I, I I do I don't remember any specifics of of the but I remember also watching um, gangster movies that were definitely not age appropriate because they had a lot of Italian culture in them. I watched The Godfather way too early uh, because it was something my dad wanted to watch. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> The Godfather was throwing him under the bus. Was, Got it. Uh, starting with the book by uh, Mario Puzo, and yes. then of course the Coppola movie movies um, has done uh, a lot. And yes, I think uh, in addition to uh, the mafia and that culture, also I mean, you know, huge ties to Italy. Um, I don't think it's possible to watch that without getting hungry. There's food everywhere. <laughs> like you can actually smell it sometimes off the screen. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a uh, that's one that I think is a pivotal one for all of us. I don't even know if that's one that I like. I can't think of my earliest one, but that has to be accounted for in there. Uh, Nick, what about you? Do you 
How far back as far as gangster well, movies do you go? Well, I, I'll just I'll just start off with uh correcting one little thing you have. Um what you're thinking of really is probably the public enemy. Right. Um rather than White Heat. White Heat was ten years later um for Cagney, but you'll notice how serious Warner Brothers takes it. They have their <clears throat> own wraparound yes. for their gangster movies. Warner Brothers gangsters. And yes, the big three, Public Enemy, Scarface. Yes, mm-hmm. good one. Thank we're you. Gonna, we're going to talk about Scarface maybe later where that led to. <laughs> and Little Caesar have all been entered into the um, uh, uh, list of, uh, of significant American films. Um, all within from the just that two year time period. And yes, there were others. There was Angels with Dirty Faces. That's where Bogart shows up. Um, uh, and um, I've got a pile here. Excuse me. Here we've got. Okay, we've got white <laughs> wow. research. I see. Yeah, these are just the ones I own. Um, <laughs> uh, I did. I I guess I didn't take Angels with Dirty Face. Oh yes, I did. There's Angels with Dirty Faces right there. Um, and yeah, that Bogart. Bogart, like a lot of classic movie icons, started out as a gangster. Um, the difference with Cagney and um, Robinson. Thank you, Edward G. Robinson. Is that they, their identity in a lot of ways stayed with gangsters. Um, but if you're asking me, what's the first thing I remember? Um, I was raised by a woman who essentially said spent most of her time in New York. Um, so while she didn't necessarily know the guys, she knew the guys who knew the guys because she was <laughs> she was a she was a jazz singer. And so, you know, she said, yeah, she said, some guy might say to her, that guy over there, the black hand, don't don't mess with him. Um, and so, yes, she loved Mario Puzo's Godfather. We we did not go to the movies for that, but um, but she loved the Godfather movies. She especially loved it when they recut it for TV in in chronological sequence. Um, for the first two movies, the so-called Godfather saga. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that certainly, I mean, that I'm old enough to remember when it was in the theaters and it, it hit the culture like a huge meatball. There, there's your offensive stereotype for the evening. <laughs> no, no, it's only offensive if you go meet the ball. Then, oh, no, I'm not going to do then that. Then you not, can't do that. Not, we're not doing that. We're not, not that's, doing that. That's my favorite phrase whenever you yeah. have to say meatballs. So, but but the the uh, the thing with The Godfather is that it uh, mobsters had been in movies from practically the very beginning. Um, Michael makes good points about why the uh, the Mob pictures in the twenty, uh, the late, you know, thirties. Mm-hmm. Mike makes a Michael makes a very good point about why the mob pictures of the early thirties were so popular. Although, of course, they all have some sort of the same arc. You know, young guy comes up through the the mob and you know sacrifices his soul for success and comes to a bad end. Um, you know, thereby affirming crime doesn't pay. The curious thing is. Most of these movies so annoyed um, upstanding moral Americans, you know, the five of them that make it their business to do that sort of thing, 
that this led to the, the Hayes Code uh, of movie production. Um, the gangster movies are pre-code movies. Yeah. And there are some unusual little things that happen in them that you don't get in later movies. The gangster does show up as a character throughout the rest of Hollywood's run. Um, in my personal jam, film noir, the gangster is often a stock character, sometimes representing the rot at the heart of the American dream, uh, because film noir is all about betrayal and corruption. But it's rare that it's a story about a gangster. Um, not in the same way that, that uh, um, Public Enemy or Little Caesar were. Right. Until you mm -hmm. get to, oh my God, Mario Puzo made a lot of money with this book. We need to make it into a movie. Um, and we need to make a, a gangster movie. And that really is when you get to The Godfather, you have a, a, a movie where the characters are the gangsters. They're the ones you're supposed to be sympathetic with. Mm -hmm. And that's also when Coppola comes and is like, no, 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 no. This needs to be done by Italians. This also is a cute commentary on the long history of Jews playing Italians and Italians playing Jews. Because Paul Muni and Edward G. Robinson, not Italians, playing Italians in classic 30s gangster movies. Cagney was an Irish gangster. Cagney was an Irishman. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the cultural scales were a little bit different at that point. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's like Very that's true. a kind way of saying it. <laughs> that is, uh, that's a yeah. Uh, on the uh, on the other on the other hand, when you get into the seventies and eighties, you've got Robert De Niro playing a Jewish gangster in Once Upon a Time in America. That's true. True. Yeah, that's very true. Well, it's interesting too because you also had, you know, in the sixties, still you also had, you know, you know, of course, you had Warren Beatty in his famous gangster role. You know, Bonnie and Clyde. And that, that brings up an interesting question I wanted to... Uh, I, first of all, I'd like to start out with a benediction from the last season of... The, the previous season of uh, Fargo, which is sort of like a Coen Brothers amusement park. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Jason Schwartzman is taunting some characters um, who are in jail. He says, you know why America loves a crime story? Because America is a crime story. Um. Mm -hmm. And that's, oh, that's so very true if you think about it too much. Um, oh. When we're talking about gangster movies, are we just talking about criminals or are we talking about organized crime? All the um, above. I was going to say, like, okay. I mean, that whatever you guys want to yeah. bring to the table, because no I think they all fall under that umbrella, right? They, like you said, um, uh, from Mike, uh, what uh, did you say, like, what your earliest one was or no, how far yet. back you go? Go ahead. Now, for me, the earliest one, and everyone's going to laugh at this one, is a piece of the action from Star Trek. I figured it uh, might be, given what you used as a promo. Yeah, and <laughs> it it's interesting, because that was my first experience with gangsters. You know, I was like four or five years old. I didn't know what a, gang, you know, what a gangster was at that time. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, since then, you know, growing up within the a couple of years of that point, we then had a uh, remember seeing a movie. It was called Bugsy Malone and it was a kid's gangster movie where everyone got cream pied and it was pretty awesome. You know, even though it was Scott Baio, but 
That's okay. You know, but, it's and, a whole different jo- story. And, and Jodie Foster. Foster, Foster, yes. And it was it was interesting. But then, you know, then I just started my grandfather, who was the, the who introduced me to all the, like the silent movies, and he started, you know, introducing me probably by the time I was seven or eight to like, you know, like you had the Edward G. Robinson all the different fremoire, but you also had some of the movies that Nick had mentioned. And, you know, we because growing up where we grew up, PBS, you know, had all the black and whites on sun on Saturday afternoons. And it was awesome to be able to watch it. And we used to sit around, you know, most kids went out and played in the park. My grandfather and I sat in front of the TV watching old silent movies or classic movies and stuff like that and he even took me to film to film houses to watch charlie chaplin and stuff like that or buster keaton but then you know we started watching it and my mom got so pissed when he took me to go see bonnie and clyde because they really released <laughs> it and i wasn't even 10 yet and you know and it's like oh you want to see Willy wonka in another movie <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> i've forgotten so, he's in that movie that's yep. his debut i believe yeah it was his first movie and it's it's interesting and then of course you know as i got older you know watching all the different you know iterations through the the 40s and into the 60s and then of course godfather and you know falling in love with it and and it's interesting to from the godfather on you know then you had different takes on organized crime and the mob and it was always the gangster was always something different because I remember watching The Sting, you know, and you that was a mob film. And it was pretty it was pretty awesome to, you know, seeing that. But the you know, the mob in that one were the Patsies. So it was just it was just interesting. Yeah. So if you if, for a piece of the action, if you would like to see the guy who played Bella Oxmix, um Anthony Caruso um, in a really great film noir. Have you ever seen the asphalt jungle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he actually plays a safe cracker in that. And that was the great thing at Paramount at that time. They, they had access when they were doing Star Trek to old contract players who they weren't making these kind of movies anymore. Um, and the asphalt jungle is a great, it's a great heist film is what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's an early role for one young Marilyn Monroe as well. Wow. Um, but That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Anthony Caruso, um, Sterling Hayden, the ill-fated police captain of The Godfather, is, mm-hmm. is the big bruiser. Sam Jaffe, who was in a million things, is the mastermind. And uh, uh, Stuart Whitmore, I believe. I'm getting his name wrong. The guy who was the Birdman in... Uh, Shawshank Redemption is is oh, yeah, um, yeah. is the is is a, an irascible hunchback bartender who's important to this whole plot as well, and it's all directed by John Huston, which is even better. So excellent, yeah. excellent. Uh, yeah, it's really it's a it is a classic. Uh, I I have no like I can't I can't recall that far back as far as my first experience with uh, fictional. Uh, or even real 
Of course, the small town I was in, Winchenden had, I mean, there was none of that sort of thing. So, I mean, I'd seen, you know, gangsters portrayed in, and as Mike said, in, in Star Trek or in, in other, sometimes in, in comedies, uh, you know, in sketch comedies, uh, sometimes, uh, otherwise, um, but I, for me, the first time I really kind of got, like, when I think of, if I, if, you know, when you say gangster to me or mobster, uh, the first name that pops into my head, because I'm such a huge Batman fan, is Carmine, Carmine Falcone. Yes. Um, and uh, his introduction in uh, Batman Year One by Frank Miller. Um, and he's been portrayed many times. He's really well portrayed, I think, in, in Batman the Animated Series. Uh, he, and, you know, Batman has all these colorful foes. His rogues gallery is is one of the best in all of fiction. But Falcone point, it, it stands out because he feels like when he's done well, he feels like he's the most real, uh, mm -hmm. at least in my. And, and he brings Batman to a level where it doesn't seem ridiculous. Um, and uh, it's one of the things I appreciated about the most recent Batman movie. Uh, where he was in. So, um, so which, for me, which, which recent one do we mean? The most recent the Batman. Batman. The, the Batman. Batman. The Batman. Okay. The one, I, the, I, I thought John, you might mean that, but I just wanted to be. John Favreau's was it? Was it John? No, it was, uh, it was. Uh, yes, yes. with yeah. Pattinson as the Pattinson, yeah. as we call yeah. <laughs> right. Batman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been played by a lot of people. Uh, so, uh, you know, um. Uh, but yeah, and, uh, and, and he, he most, was most recently played by, uh, John Turturro. I'm curious, Torian, is, is there a sp specific character that comes to mind when you hear the word gangster? Like, is there somebody just that just blows everybody else away as far as like you pick in your head, you picture? So, um, I've always been fond of Johnny Dangerously. Um, okay. I quote that <laughs> movie. All the time. Nice. Um, and I know it's supposed to be a, 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 a segue from a Batman to a Keaton. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do what I can. Um, but it's just, I, I think of the, the absurdity of it and, and how it just, it had everything you wanted in a, a gangster movie. You know, it, it, um, it, it had, it had the woman and it had the dancing and it had the, you know, the, the very quotable uh, things. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't too um, violent. And so it, it made it kind of more acceptable that it was a movie as mm -hmm. opposed to the more real ones um, like uh, Casino or Goodfellas or, or things like that, where you have these really like, I mean, that's what it's like in real life and probably even worse, um, especially when when some of those movies were based on on true stories and things like that. Um, but, but for me, it's just kind of that um, when I think of a, a Hollywood, like a mobster movie or a gangster movie, I'm putting those two words together, not just a gangster. Right. I want to think of like the ridiculous um, because that's. Uh, what I, you, you know, I like to watch movies for the escapism sometimes and, and things like that. Um, I, um, uh, as Nick said earlier, you know, I know a guy who knows a guy uh, and, and I have family members who are very much like some of the characters in those, the really, you know, gruesome movies sometimes. And so I, I just, but when uh, Mike posted about, oh, we're doing gig, I was like, I got to talk about Johnny Dangerously and I got to talk about, you know, I was like thinking of all <laughs> these things. 
Um, but then I also saw earlier, um, you had asked, you know, or somebody had said about like, are we talking about organized crime or, you know, what are we? And, and that got me thinking about sometimes there are mobsters and gangsters in movies, but I wouldn't call it a mobster or gangster movie like, yeah. um, Boondock Saints. I consider that like a, uh, like a hero or anti-hero, you know, kind of movie because they're the focus, but there's a lot of mob stuff going on. Like that's the oh, beef yeah. of the, Oh yeah. Uh, but, but if I'm like, Oh, I'm in the mood to watch a mobster movie. I'm not going to sit down and watch that. So I, it, well, it got me thinking about, you know, how, how I really define those things. That's, that's what I mean by, by most of the run of film noir gangsters are stock characters. They're not necessarily the focus. There's a great turn that Robinson does uh, at the beginning of the film noir period in a little film called Key Largo in which he is the menace. And he is in no way someone you want to empathize with. He's an awful person and his cronies keep trying to tell him, yeah, we're coming back. We're going to get prohibition back. Because of course that was the big thing with the, the national syndicate. We want that back. The focus of the film is Bogart and Bacall. Um, uh, going across the pond to some of my favorite gangster flavored movies are the stuff of Guy Ritchie. Um, oh God, yes! And Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Yes, and and Snatch. You know, they both feature mobsters, but in the immortal words that uh, Jason Statham has, the Pikey had visions of running that truck over. Um, you know, he takes care of the mobsters. Now, the gentleman, it really is centered on a mobster, his most recent film. Um, but weirdly enough, it's Matthew McConaughey in England Mm -hmm. being, being a Yank. Um, uh, so yeah, mobsters, mobsters come up as characters because they represent the, (laughs) the viewer's secret and not so secret wish to be able to do anything they wish to do. Um, of course, as Scorsese will tell you, that comes at a price. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, mm-hmm. is there someone in particular, a, uh, a character that you think of automatically, the first thing that comes to your mind, the first one that comes to your mind? I am I am so saturated by American culture, I cannot help but think of a movie that begins, I believe in America. Um, you you got to think of Don Corleone as the first. And of course, the problem with The Godfather is, People are not listening to what the Godfather is saying and everything. The wheels come off everything mm-hmm. um, until Michael puts it all back together again. Yeah, definitely that. But I think it's it's telling that one of the things Mike mentions is this first impression is the stereotypical depiction of them. Very, very intentionally stereotypical depiction of them in a piece of the action. Um, mm-hmm. Because that that is how much saturated the... Uh, George Raff, Paul Muni, Edward G. Robinson, uh, um, James Cagney gangsters were part of our culture. Um, but you even, a, had, you even had Shatner trying to do Cagney yes, in that yes, episode. Yes, indeed, indeed. Because that's people go, that's, that's, that's how much it's soaked into the culture. In the middle of Malcolm X, and let's face it, whenever Spike Lee does a movie, he tries to do three movies at once. Uh, part of it is kind of a gangster picture with young Malcolm Little, but there's a him and Shorty 
uh, played by uh, um, Spike Lee himself with Denzel Washington are playing in the park. And Spike Lee's going, I'm tired of being the cops. I want to be Bogart. And, and Malcolm Little goes, well, shorty, you can't be Bogart. You're not tall enough. And then he goes, well, not too short to be Cagney. Bang, bang, bang. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's how deeply ingrained that sort of depiction was to Americans. Well, it still is. Um, in all places, Zootopia had a gangster muskrat, or or I don't remember. If you haven't watched Zootopia, you should. It's Mr. Big. Was, yes, Mr. No. Big. And, and he was this little tiny, He's you know, Godfather-esque yeah. thing, supported by polar bears who were scared of him. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, but it's in this kids movie. Um, and it's they throw in those depictions sort of everywhere because it's so pervasive. Mm -hmm. Oh, very much so. And it's interesting too, because you also then had Martin Scorsese take it to the gangster to a whole different level in a lot of his films. And, you know, you know, when I think of that, you know, I start getting right to Goodfellas. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you can see the through line from Coppola to to Scorsese. Oh, I mean, it's very much. It's right there. Right. It's it's a through line, but there's a difference, and it's an sure. important difference. The Godfather is a myth to, to the extent they make fun of that in The Sopranos. Um, uh, it, it is very mythic. If I have any complaint about the Godfather movies, it's how drippingly romantic it gets every time you're in Italy. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's very much myth. The Scorsese movies is that great trilogy of narrated films based on real life. Goodfellas, Casino, and The Irishman, um, in in which you're getting people telling stories to each gangsters telling stories to each other. This is what it's like, you know. So mm-hmm. it's still kind of legend making. And then if you want to get cold hard, hard cold reality, Donnie Brasco. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, a wonderful image so. of, of Al Pacino, you know, Michael Corleone himself hammering a parking meter because he needs to pay up um that that he's 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 taking because he's 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 busting out parking meters to get change because he's got to earn um but no scorsese is great in that you know he was he was part he knew people in that life the thing with coppola is coppola likes making great big epic movies i mean he didn't move oh, yeah. on he didn't move on from Godfather 2 to do Goodfellas. He moved on to that to do Apocalypse Now. And right. then, then broke the bank doing a Tom Waits musical. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, Mike, is there somebody you think of automatically? It depends. You know, there's so many different gangsters that come to mind as soon as I think, you know, for recent memory, of course, it's Tony Soprano. And, you know, being from New Jersey, it's like, he's the stereotype of a typical New Jersey person anyway. And then to throw in the gangster aspect of it and the families and it showed, you know, to me, again, it was almost like a love affair for the, you know, the gangsters and compared to what real life would have been. In a lot of ways, they tried going for some real life. You know, there was no character that was safe on it or there was no, you know, but it was it was interesting to see. But, you know, of course, 
you know, Robert De Niro, for me, anytime I think of a gangster is, you know, I think of De Niro just because all the different roles he's played. To the point where he could bankroll that into making comedies like yeah. Analyze This. Yeah, very much so. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I don't that... hear no so often, except for when the people are saying, no, 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 no. You know, um, talking about why, you know, we have this love affair or why they're so popular, gangster movies and gangster stories. Um, I think it also has to be pointed out in addition to the, you know, the freedom of the characters that we like to identify with or whatever, is that a lot of times uh, they are played by uh, uh, amazing actors, actresses, and going over the top, having, creating cinematic moments. Um, and that, that is so attractive, whether it's Robert De Niro whether it's Johnny Depp, whether it's uh, Harvey Keitel, whether it's, uh, 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 oh, come on. Denzel. 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 Thank you. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. What were you thinking of, Tony Ann? Well, so I was thinking either between American Gangster or Training Day. And Training Day, yeah. I have a, uh, because he's supposed to be a cop, but he's really not the great and he's doing all this stuff and training day is a film i really do not like um for a variety of reasons that have little to do with denzel washington but i do agree with you i think he's much more interesting when he's morally ambiguous rather than but american gangster oh mm -hmm. my god if you haven't seen that go out and see it it's uh, ridley the general scott at his some of his best uh, American set filmmaking. It's a it's a divided story between him on one end and Russell Crowe as the man chasing him on the other. And Denzel Washington deserved an Oscar for that much more than he deserved an Oscar for Training Day, even though we all know he got it for Malcolm X. <laughs> um, uh, but no, American Gangster is a great gangster story. Um, and uh, and it's beautifully filmed. Got an incredible cast. Um, I will. I will. I, I'm. I'm amazed more people don't talk about it more than they do. Um, well, it's a it's a long film. movie, yeah. just like Gangs of New York and Casino, The Irishman. You know, they all become mm -hmm. these long, but they're worth it. I mean, you yeah. just get sucked into the story. Um, I I will watch Casino purely for the line where when he's uh in the kitchen and he's like all the blueberry muffins have to have the right the same number of blueberries like something just ridiculous that some mobster who's you know gets sent to las vegas is now all of a sudden concerned with blueberries just yeah. tickles me yeah. I, it's it's ridiculous that that is a line in in a mobster movie <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. no agreed that's, that's casino is a great movie to watch for uh, how to run a casino or how a mob would run a casino. Um, uh, while it's also based in real life, the whole love story thing is a little wearing. Love story in scare quotes. Yeah, the um, whole thing with Sharon Stone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but no, that 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 also is is quite good too. Um, uh, the the other thing with the other thing with with American Gangster is it's very good at talking about the cle ethnic cleavages in American crime. Um, 
and and the fact that the FBI didn't quite seem to understand that a black man could do what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to talk about ethnic cleavages in American crime, uh, and to Tony Ann's defense, it wasn't just all the Italians. Nope. Uh, no. There was a no. long history of the Irish mob mm-hmm. and the Jewish mob. I was about to say the Jewish, you know, and the two Lans- Lansky, the, the Meyer Lansky, the the two that that um, come to mind automatically for me, even though, again, no Jews were used in the making of this movie, um, is Once Upon a Time in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the Irish, um, I think it's the Coen Brothers' second movie, Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing is which amazing. Is all about the Irish mob in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to, to give to give fair time, you know. To, oh, cr- yeah. Criminality, criminality knows no real ethnic background in this country. America is mm-hmm. a crime story. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I feel like after or during and after the Cold War, you see a lot more Russian mobs starting to, stories starting to pop up or them, uh, people starting to use like um, uh, Eastern European descent mob, mm-hmm. right, people as the bad guys. And so there was sort of this, steering away from some of the um, maybe ethnic groups that people were using a lot from the 30s. Well, that's because uh, Hollywood, you know, knows its own. And there was a huge explosion of Russian mob activity in Los Angeles with lots of uh, careless use of large firearms. Um, So that had something to do with it, along with what happened in New York. Just as an aside, you mentioned the Batman before. Prior to that, with the Dark Knight the Dark Knight has a wonderful vignette of ethnically diverse mobsters. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. that, that, of course, the irony is it's the Joker who destroys them, not Batman. Because the Joker is a free agent of chaos. Um, but no, I, I do love the mobsters they have. <laughs> that, that, that beginning sit-down that the Joker crashes in Dark Knight. That's just Wonderful. Oh, with the different gangs and everything. Yes, with the awesome. different gangs. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, and of course the uh, agent of chaos would go after organized crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean it, that um, it stands to reason. But another one that was really good that also represented, like Tony Ann was saying about the Eastern European, was a movie called Eastern Promises. Oh yes, yes, yes. I'd forgotten about that. Thank you for mentioning it. That that is that is one of two incredible films that Viggo Mortensen made with Cronenberg. Uh, the other one being History of Violence, which History also of Violence a, was so good, which also has an organized crime theme to it, too. But especially uh, especially um, uh, Eastern Promises, as I recall, like the. The three main characters are played by uh, a Norwegian, a French guy and whatever the hell Viggo Mortensen is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Viggo Mortensen being Viggo Mortensen he went and he sat down in a Russian cafe in London to see how well he'd mastered his Russianness, and people clammed up because they thought he was mobbed up. <laughs> that is awesome. But no, that that is that is an excellent that is an excellent film too. And I want to mm. make sure we get to this point because I think you were you were scratching on it a little bit earlier, Nick. But one actor that I was trying to think of was on the tip of my tongue was Al Pacino, and of mm. course the difference between uh the is it 1930s scarface 30, 30, and the 1980s scarface yeah, 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 is yeah. like 
I mean, that's a that's like night and day in a lot of ways, right? I have enormous problems with the Brian De Palma era, Oliver Stone Scarface. The genesis of this movie apparently was Pacino saw the original at a revival house. Hey, kiddies out there, once upon a time, there were no VCRs and old movies had to be shown in theaters. And that's what Pacino had done. He'd gone into a revival house and seen Scarface. And thought, this is really good. I'd like to be in that. And they thought a lot about of our doing... audience, though, is asking, what is a VCR? So hold on. Well, yeah. no, okay. No, no, okay. We don't No young person um, listens to our show. So, 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 <laughs> so the deal here is that he thought, thought maybe they do it as a revival piece. No, no, no. Let's do it up to date. And so they really misrepresented the Cubans. Um, they they greatly overemphasized the amount of criminality in the Marielitos, um, uh, the boatlift people, and uh, the accent he's doing. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's not a really Cuban accent. And so, yeah. Ironically enough, the arc of the story is pretty much the same one as the Paul Muni mm-hmm. movie. Um, no Cubans were used in the making of that movie either. They're mostly, ironically enough, Italians, except for the guy playing his best buddy. In the Cuban community, that movie is not well-loved. Well, I've noticed that over time, that one has gotten kind of, it's not near as popular as it was in the 80s. But it does definitely have a a a, a footprint. Sure. Um, it, it, has, it, has, it has an, I have to admit that, it has an enormous cultural footprint. The, you know, say hello to my little friend is yeah, like, friend. that is, that is cinema history there. First that is an iconic the, moment. First you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the <laughs> women. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's, he, and he's supposed to be repellent. He is repellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the best thing that came out of the movie was Michelle Pfeiffer. Who then ended up being married to the mob. Uh, but yeah, who ended up being married to the mob. But I think a much better Brian De Palma gangster movie where the gangsters are the villains is The Untouchables. Yes. Oh, God, yes. yes. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, that's it's pretty cartoony. I mean, obviously, that, well, I mean, that, that's, that's uh, De Niro's pretty Capone is like really over the top, but it's but it works for that movie. It's okay. high. It's it's high gloss mismaking. Hey, whenever Giorgio Armani does your costumes. We're not talking reality here. But it's interesting, though, because, you know, you both had the TV show with, you know, Robert Stack also Mm -hmm. with The Untouchables. Yeah. And then you had the movie. And, you know, most people our age are more familiar with the movie. And it's it's interesting because, you know, you had the, you know, in The Untouchables on TV, you know, the Robert Stack version. The the mob was just, you know, there was no redeeming feature at all for them at all. There wasn't, you know, they were just all scum. Well, I would and say there's there. no redeeming feature in in uh, in in the Untouchables. They just are dressed better in exactly. the movie. <laughs> well, if you're what? talking about suspending belief, I mean, Dick Tracy with all the different <laughs> colors and all, I mean, I love it. It's one of I'll, I'll watch it over and over because it's absolutely ridiculous. But that is not at all. I mean, that's that's not at all rooted in reality. If I were dropping things in bit buckets, I would put Dick Tracy in the same big bucket as piece of the action and Bugsy Malone. Mm. Of of you know the American popular image of the gangster having been so popular that let me rephrase that sentence that sounds terrible the popular image of the gangster was so effectively 
siphoned into the American psyche that they go, oh, yeah, let's take that image and play with it. And that that starts off with the Dick Tracy comics um, as oh, well. Sure. It's, you know, it's just the shorthand. All all uh, Beatty is doing is putting it up in living technicolor and dialing it up to 11. Oh, yeah. But it's interesting because with like we talked about Warren Beatty earlier with Bonnie and Clyde, but he also played uh, uh, Bugsy, Bugsy Siegel. Siegel. Bugsy in Bugsy, you know, and that's all about the forming of Vegas, you know, how mm-hmm. the mob, it, you know. If you want a character, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some deep cutting here for TV. Um, it was a little series. I think it was on TNT. It it was really good, but didn't get renewed. Something called Mob City. Mm-hmm. And Mob City was about Mickey Cohen uh, and Bugsy Siegel. Bugsy Siegel is Ed Burns. Um, in L.A., and he's being chased by a special agent being played by John Bernathal. Oh, wow. And uh, you can't even get it on disc in this country. Right now, I have a special order coming to me from France because I found out about this. It's a German Blu-ray, of all things. Hmm. Um, From France. From France, yeah. But (laughs) uh, it's one of the most accurate depictions of Mickey Cohen that I can think of. I'm being an old Angelino. I'm up on my LA history under movies. I don't much care for, but I will mention um, that's a very definitely a gangster movie. It tried to be the uh, untouchables. I'm going through my pile here. Gangster squad. Yeah. Great that. cast, great cast, not a great movie, especially um, uh, Sean Penn's over the top version of Mickey Cohen. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mob City is a much better film to watch about the criminality of Mickey Cohen and Bugsy Siegel. Um, and you get a special, uh, guest appearance of Meyer Lansky, the man who was able to work the entire Italian, uh, syndicate and stay neutral above it all because he was a really good businessman. Oh, and speaking of good businessmen, another gangster feature that I uh, think of that may not most people may come up with is the wire. Mm. Um, You know, uh, Stringer Bell, uh, Idris Elba's breakout character in that is he's a great businessman. He happens to be working in an illegal business. Um, (laughs) Hate when that happens. Yeah. (laughs) It just so happens. Um, One of the, uh, I don't know if I'd call it a trend yet, but I've seen like last year, there was a couple of instances, uh, fairly high profile, uh, uh, movie in on, on HBO Max, uh, with, uh, the bullet train and Tokyo Vice of the Yakuza, um, being brought into sort of, uh, you know, prominence, let's say, um, I I've seen like a few movies like Tokyo Drifter from the sixties and a couple of other ones, but, and I know that over like for Japanese movies, it's, it's a lot more of a, uh, of a, of a thing, but I I don't see them. I don't see them in American movies very often. There's a wonderful. Outside of like black rain, maybe, or. There's a wonderful odd seventies movie with an older Robert Mitchum simply called the Yakuza. Yakuza. Yeah. Um, and, and that, but yeah, there's plenty of Japanese Yakuza movies. Um, but, uh, but Americans don't quite seem to know what to do with them. 
um, unless unless you have the the foreigner in a foreign land um, uh, getting involved with them going mm-hmm. to Japan. Right. right in the U.S., they did you know Rising Sun with Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes, and then you even had Kill Bill, where they yeah yeah, yeah. Kill Crazy Eighty Eight. Yeah. Kill, yeah. Kill Bill, yeah. that that mix master of, of <laughs> pop culture uh, uh, tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but there was um, also a, a TV show in the late eighties. It was called Wise Guy. I don't. Know. Yes, mm-hmm. I remember. Ken Wall was the star. Yeah, there, wasn't he? Exactly, and that also, you know, it was it was interesting because Wise Guy also uh, starred Jonathan Banks, who also then Ooh, went later on. Now. Okay. Yep. And he went on, of course, to be in Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad and, yes, you know, yes. right there, you had the Mexican drug lords. Yes. And, and that that really is the current phrase and trend of narcos, oh, especially so. especially in Mexican telenovelas mm-hmm. um, and and on, ne- on Netflix or, or the narcos. And narcos. But, you know, then you, you know, and it's like, it's interesting because you also had the, oh, there was that one. With the biker gangs. Oh, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Yep. So you have that also. And I think they did the Mayans. uh, They had a spinoff with the Mayans. For the the Hispanic gang and that. And there was that one series recently, The Queen of the South. Is that what that was called? Queen of the South. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That has a very interesting heritage. Um, That was based on a Mexican telenovela. The most uh, Reina de la Sur, Reina de la Sur, um, starring the queen of the Mexican telenovelas. Um, it was one of the most expensively produced Mexican telenovela because a lot of it was filmed in Spain. The story was created by one of the most successful novelists in Spain, uh, Perez Reverte, about this young Mexican woman who's the girlfriend of a guy who's transporting coke and he gets screwed by his gang and shot and she has to flee to Spain where she becomes a narco queen um, it's much more she, she ends up being protected by this gloriously grouchy uh, Russian mobster who's who's there in, in the south of uh, it takes place a lot in the, Mexi- the, the Spanish colony on the shores of Algeria um, and when they did it for TNT, it really just it's a more of a narcos cross border story here. Mm-hmm. But yeah. well, it's one of the rare instances that we see female mobster lord, uh, yeah. you know, queen. To be uh, to be candid, I can't even really think of too many others. I, just a handful of others, maybe. Um, I don't think that has been explored nearly enough. Well, there there have been episodes where like uh, someone's daughter, right, was like using the mantle of the father or the yeah. uncle or the brother or something, but they were really the ones pulling the strings and just using, you know, men as the the, you know, because that's who other men respect or or mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but you're right, there there's definitely not a lot of um, uh, not a lot of that. And I think in the same vein, when we were talking about American gangster earlier, where, you know, no, no one expected, expected the black man to be, you know, the head of a, um, I, you know, that, that's really a, a sort of another thing where there's probably, um, very successful operations that might be run by women that they know how to keep out of trouble. And so that's why nobody's written a, a based on a true story movie about them because nobody knows nothing. So there was uh, there, there there was a film with Melissa McCarthy 
and I want to say Tiffany Haddish, um, that was a, 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 a third actress, I'm forgetting, um, that was based in Baston. But no, it was based in Hell's Kitchen. Um, I'll leave oh, yes. That. I know which one you're talking about. Yes. Uh, yes. I I'll, can't I'll, name I'll, the name I'll, of I'll leave for the technical wizards to come up with this and, and put it up on the site, <laughs> but I do remember this. Um, yes. It, it's got a very commonplace title to it. I think, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was based on a comic. Yes, uh, I believe it was. And I, I think of another comic, uh, and it's got, I don't know that it has some atrocious title like Lady Gangster, but it's basically set in the 20s with an Italian woman who ends up taking over. Um, and and the, the graphic is quite something. She's, in, she's a full-bodied woman wearing a pinstripe suit um, with a one Tommy gun. It's just called The Kitchen. Uh, the Kitchen, right, for Hell's Kitchen. That's right. I knew it was a very simple title. Also, I'm going to put this out there, and I want to hear from you guys, too, is what you think is like the new or current uh, trend or hotness when it comes to, you know, gangster things on in the media. But I'm going to put this out there. Uh, you know, the likewise, like we think of Robert De Niro or James Cagney, I think uh, in that ilk, I think right now, I think Tom Hardy is making himself like really much of a case for, I mean, he played both of the craze. He played Capone. Uh, He is, he was great as a, as a Jewish mob boss and in, in Peaky Blinders, uh, which is a great series as well about, uh, about a sort of gangster family. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I think Tom Hardy is like the next like guy that, that is is doing taking over like all of the gangster roles. Yeah. Is there is there anybody or any other trend that you see now regarding gangster movies, gangster shows? Well, for me, it's interesting because when you think of any ga- gangster shows now, it's mostly dealing with the Mexican drug lords, a lot mm-hmm. of them, and you know, like I, you could think of like Ozark or something like that and you know where they played they were mostly behind the scenes in that one but you know and it but it was it was interesting because you know you had the americans who weren't as well organized as the mexicans and everything in that one but it's but you have a lot of different foreign you know influences now for the mob it's not focusing mostly on the american the gangsters and such like that. Right. Well, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul both use that sort of Mexican drug trade as well as a big yeah. thing. And then Gus yeah. Fring is probably like, you know, the American counterpart. But then there's Narcos and there's also so many other series talking all about it. But like yeah. you said, Penny Dreadful, you had, you know, and it's interesting too, because a lot for a lot of people when they think of the american mobsters modern more modern it's sopranos mm-hmm. and everything and well, you know a, a lot of this has to do with the fact that the american Itali- the italian american stereotypical mafia has completely broken down and fallen apart um and the people involved in prosecuting will tell you this because the younger generation has no respect for the idea of keeping your mouth shut Omerta. Um, so that's over with. In fact, one thing I don't think anyone's mentioned so far, Boardwalk Empire, 
goes back even farther in terms of nostalgia. So it makes sense that the south of the border criminality is the one that seems to be cresting on the wave currently. Um, that that does not surprise me, and that's the only thing I can think of. Well, and that's you know you have the um, you have people who want to blame what's going on in America on people who aren't Americans or who are yes. outside influences. Mm-hmm. But then you also have things like um, they've done those the American crime stories where they like focused on uh, O.J. Simpson and they focused on um, oh I forget what the second season. Um, uh, I think it was whoever killed uh, uh, Versace um, or something along those lines. But you have, they try, they're then trying to depict like the single people, right? Not an organized crime. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they were just a one-off. They were not all of these other people, right? So you have that real dichotomy, I think, when you're, um, when you're looking at, at what's been, what's come out in the last 20 years. And I think, True crime, whether mm. it's documentary series or documentary movies or reenactments of of true crime, is like the big thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, usually, as you point out, is more individual criminals or at the most families of criminals, uh, criminal families, rather than what we think of as. Large uh, organized structure, or, or yeah. yeah, more organized structure. And is that? Do you guys? Yeah, they see that as well now. Oh, very much so. And it's interesting because a show I know we like you and I watch, Mike, was Person of Interest, mm-hmm. and you had the mob at first, and it was very big involved, like with Elias and characters like that. But then you know the government became the big government, you know. Eight, you know, spy agencies and everything where the were started becoming the mobsters in that. And it was then you had the different, you know, you had the different tech companies who are almost like becoming the mob now in, other, I, in some ways. I, I think in some ways, perhaps you, you made me think that, that, you know, Americans aren't worried about the guys with the funny foreign names down the street who might be trying to uh, rob them and worried about much larger structures that they consider to be dangerous. Um, that may have more of the imprimatur of law and uh, respectability. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. It's a, uh, uh, dealing with people in large fedoras almost seems quaint nowadays. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, like, is 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 there a case to be made for the the what we usually think of as gangster or mobster movies now, just being sort of a retro thing now, where when you see movies now, it's more like a uh romantic notion of them um rather than anything of substance well i think that in the movies like um you know goodfellas and casino and and even the godfather where they do have those sort of you know romantic bits whatever at the time you knew people who were like that or maybe you knew people who were connected um i mean i have like second and third cousins who i've never met because they've been away in Florida for 10 to 15 years or somewhere, right? Like there are, that's like a thing, but that's not a recent thing. That's a a 20, 30 years ago thing um, where you knew people like that, or maybe there was, there were people in your neighborhood or in the city, in the bad part of town or something, right? That, that, that resonated with, and it wasn't like fiction, but now the world has changed a lot. And with technology, a lot of 
these organized groups went, maybe they went digital or maybe they stopped messing with things um, that could get them caught and they figured out other ways to do stuff. So now they're not as visible and it seems more like, oh, that was a thing that happened in the 80s and 90s or that was a thing that happened in the 20s and 30s. And and that's not a thing that happens anymore. When it's organized, crime is like still a thing. It just looks completely different than it did with a lot of these movies that we're talking about from, you know, the last 70 years. And and that in and of itself, what it's become, uh, I guess, uh, modern filmmakers, TV people have not figured out a way to make that uh, expressive enough to to warrant enough interest in it. Is that is that fair? Last year's troubles are more inviting than the troubles we have today. They just look better. (laughs) That's uh that's well said. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Any final thoughts on, on gangsters? Is there any movie that uh, we haven't mentioned or anything you want to like shout out real quick that people should check out as far as mobster movies or TV series or anything like that? Uh, we'll start with you, Tony Ann. I am sad that we didn't get to talk about Reservoir Dogs and um, The Departed um, because those are, are some, some really, really, really great uh, films. Um, and I'm also sad that I didn't think about more like there's a lot of those um, police procedural shows where they always have like the, you know, somebody goes into deep cover in the mob or something like they always have that, that couple arc episode. Um, and I most recently watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine again, and they had a really great arc <laughs> where one of the main characters goes undercover in the mob. And, and if you haven't watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, they do a lot of really great stuff. And um, I think I think one of the law and orders is now organized crime. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because that's New York for you. Oh, um, absolutely. I, uh, I, Nick, I will happily second Tony Ann's recommendation of American Gangster um, that she brought up. Mm-hmm. Also, that's the first in line of a bunch of black exploitation gangster movies from the seventies: Black Caesar, Black Godfather. Um, uh, the bumpy that's mentioned at the beginning of um, American Gangster is pretty much the guy that is giving Shaft a hard time in the movie Shaft, and much more so in Shaft's big score, its sequel. If if you care to check out any black exploitation things, there's plenty of gangsters there. Um, and and also uh, go back in time and watch some film noir. It's good for you, kids. Uh, <laughs> you get to see you get to see. Uh, Kirk Douglas and Raymond Burr as, as heavies rather than heroes. It's true. Mike, any uh, from you? I love what everyone's been talking about. This is everything I've seen, everything that I just love talking about and watching. Uh, one we didn't bring up was a show from 1986. It was called Crime Story. And it actually featured uh, Dennis Ferreira in the lead. and. Okay. It took yeah. place in the, the 1960s. That, is that the one that Jerry Lewis was in? No, 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 no. Okay. no. That's something there different. was one where he played a a, a gangster. I think my I, problem. I think crime story. I think Jackie Chan. Because I'm thinking police story. Oh right, yeah. Den- yeah. Dennis Farina, the guy who used to be a cop. Yeah. Yep. And who comes across cop. comes across so well as a mobster, especially in Get Shorty. Oh, exactly. Get Shorty is another one we Get didn't Shorty's even mention. A great comedy version of the mob. Yes. 
But Crime Story was awesome because it was in the early 1960s and it only lasted one season. And it was it was so fun because it was over the top in a lot of ways. But it was a great crime drama. It was this team of police officers that were set to a task force to go take on the mob. And it was really awesome. Very cool. So I would Very recommend cool. it. And you could see it on Peacock or right now on there, I think, for free. Uh, and speaking of things you can see for free, um, I would just recommend tune in to Turner Classic Movies this month because they are celebrating 100 years of Warner Brothers. Every movie that they're showing this month is a Warner Brothers movie, and they are devoting a lot of time to gangster movies, Public Enemy, White Heat, mm-hmm. Angels with Dirty Faces, Little Caesar, The Petrified Forest, Roaring Twenties. These are movies that are classic, uh, and they are they hold up. The performances by Cagney, Robinson, Bogart, et cetera, et cetera, are are just uh, they're iconic, um, and it's it's always fun to see what those find. Uh, TCM is showing them all. Like I said, they're also TCM has a channel I think uh, on uh, HBO Max, so you can dial them up that way. Or I think Xfinity has them as available as well. So yeah, go back to the beginning, check them all and, out. So, and if you want, if you want free for old movies for all sorts of things, check out Canopy with a K and Hoopla. You will probably be able to get them with a card from your local public library, stream straight to your TV or uh, preferred method of viewing. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for that, Nick. Okay, well, thanks for. Uh, Thanks for uh, hanging out and talking about gangsters, you dirty rats. Uh, so <laughs> we will uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back to close. The Welcome to Geek Girls Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about board games, specifically the two-player Splendor Duels. Splendor is probably my absolute favorite board game ever, but it is a bit off when you play with two people. Even though the game is for two to four players, it's really best at three to four. Splendor Duels is a two-player version of Splendor, with a few different game mechanics in it to make the game a bit more interesting and challenging, and I really, really like it. Maybe not as much as I love the original, but it's still a very fun game, and for someone who plays a lot of two-player games, having a more balanced option is great. There are a few differences between the original Splendor and the Duels version. The Duels version, you have to pick your jewel tokens from a board that is set out, and you can only take from that set board. It can be reset, but you don't get to take whichever colors you want each turn, like in the regular game. You have scrolls, which you can use for extra jewels or to reset the board, and then the nobles are different as well. There are also three different ways to win, instead of the regular game one, which is get to 15 victory points. This has a combination of victory points of the same color, crowns that are found on the cards you pick up, or a higher value of victory points with a bunch of different colors. And it's a lot to keep up with, but it still plays pretty fast. If you like two-player strategy games, I would highly recommend this one. It takes a lot of strategy to figure out what it takes when you need to, you know, pick up your cards to figure out how to win. And it does take a game or two to get used to, but this game has great replay value, which is always a worry for me when I'm buying board games. 
will I be able to play it a whole bunch, or am I only going to get to play it two or three times and then I'm done with it? Getting to play it a lot more makes it way more valuable to me. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Tune in to The Con Guy Show. Con, as in Comic-Con. We are Hollywood filmmakers and superfans who cover all the news of the con universe, including the films, the TV shows, the streaming series, the experiences, and the events that fuel your fandom. If you'd find it at Comic-Con, then you'll find it here. Now in our seventh year, the Con Guy Show is a proud member of the ESO Network. That's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Nick, thank you as always for being back with us. Anything you need to promote? I will be hosting a couple panels at NorwestCon this coming week um, oh. in Seattle. Uh, a panel on what people actually, what, what the normal people actually ate in history. Uh, one I'm actually moderating on My Favorite Martian about aliens. Um, and nice. our favorite aliens and um, a couple other things having to do with movies and uh, stuff like that. So, yes, I will be at NorwestCon. Our guest of honor is P. Jelly Clark, who is a great author of uh, um, uh, gaslight fiction um, taking place in an alternate Egypt. Um, nice. My favorite series. So that, that's my big promo. Very awesome. Very cool. And Tony Ann, thank you so much. You made it through your first episode with us. I know, I know. It, uh, it, was, it was a fun time. Um, I, I've done a couple of uh, uh, quarantine panels with the Classics track over at uh, uh, DragonCon. Um, and so I'm familiar with the uh, online style. Uh, but this is <laughs> d- definitely, uh, definitely always a good time. Um, I am uh, I'm, I'm happy to bring my, my very small bit of knowledge um, I, uh, I've been sort of avoiding spoilers for the last, uh, 40 to 60 years. There's a lot of things. I have uh, big gaps in my, uh, my pop culture knowledge. Uh, so I haven't started watching Star Trek until 2020. Um, oh, wow. and so the, I, the, or, I, the original series, all of it, I had never okay. watched any of it. So in, in I, January of 2020, I started with the original series. Uh, I've currently been stuck in enterprise for the last few months because you know, everything that's going on in Enterprise is awful. Um, I apologize <laughs> if you like it. My goal is to watch all of it and get to all the new stuff. Um, and, and I've been blogging about that. Uh, so if you want to read my ridiculous writings, uh, especially all of my Enterprise episodes I rate, and they all have to do with Porthos. So I'll be like, this episode got seven treats for Porthos. Or <laughs> Porthos sat in timeout for three minutes because this episode was so terrible. Um, so I'm over at thegeekydevil.com. Awesome. He is, awesome, he is awesome. the best character. Yeah, he's my, him and, <laughs> him and flocks. When, when the doctor and the dog are your two favorite characters, there's yeah. a problem with the series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. I want to give a shout out to a Kickstarter project that I think is pretty exciting. Uh, 
the um, Mike Magnola, as we all know, a uh, comic creator, creator of Hellboy, as uh, um, among many other things, uh, he has actually lended his talents to a adaptation of, uh, or an illustrated version, I should say, of uh, the original classic text, Pinocchio. And hmm. uh, he's gotten together with uh, Lemony Snicket, and they've created this like really, really beautiful volume of the uh, original uh, Pinocchio stories. And with a lot of extras, I mean, this thing is gorgeous. Um, and, uh, you know, if you've only seen the Disney version or you've only seen the new Netflix movie, uh, you really haven't seen the real Pinocchio. So uh, this is uh, really timely and it's very cool. It's got some really cool people behind it. Uh, it's already met its goal, so it's going to be done. But if you want to get be part of this, if you want to make sure you reserve your copy of it, I would definitely take advantage of it. The uh, Kickstarter ends on the 20th of April. Um, so, yeah, check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, this thing is like, yeah, this thing is look, looks amazing. That's pretty awesome. You know, and his artwork is just you know, the work he does is just awesome and everything. I'm looking forward to seeing that project. Sorry, um, not a direct tie-in, although I guess yeah, maybe Pinocchio met up with the mob at some point. I don't know. Yeah. The donkey mob. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whale was the big the big heavy in it. I'm so going to tell you the truth because I can't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is not going to be pretty for you. See, my nose didn't grow. So it's perfect. <laughs> All right, uh, my shout out real quick. Another series that Judy and I had been watching, you know, seems like half the time I'm talking about TV series that I recommend. Uh, Judy and I just got done watching the first season of the reboot of Quantum Leap. And Peacock has done an amazing, amazing job with the series. Um, the As of this recording, the season finale for season one has just aired. and dude it's gonna blow you away and all i, I want to say is oh boy so yeah it's pretty awesome um if you're a fan of the original quantum leap it is a continuation of the story it's not a reboot and that is a tr true plus for it and they use it in its for its advantage and it's a new leaper it's a great story if you hadn't seen the original quantum leap you could still love the show and everything. It's definitely worth checking out and it's, it's just fun and it's a good series and it's on Peacock for free. If you get a chance, so is the original quantum leap. So if you want to catch up with that also, you know, my wife has not seen the original series. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we started watching the original also and she's, she's loving the interaction between Sam and Al. So it's pretty cool and everything so definitely check that out quantum leap on peacock all right folks that is going to be it for tonight want to thank everyone for being here it has been a barrel of fun and we didn't lose anybody you know so it was good it was always good with that you know it's easier when you know you don't have to forget about it or bada bing bada boom you know that type of thing forget so about it's pretty cool forget about it you know but as always, thanks for listening to Earth Station One. Remember, we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support us, please check out our Tea Public store and get some really cool 
ESO Network swag, including the new uh, Wonder Warrior t-shirt that we have where you can have a Wonder Warrior mug or you can have a Wonder Warrior button or such or even a sticker. It's pretty cool what you can get. And you know what? Every, you know, all the money we make from those t-shirts is going to charity in honor of Darren. So please, please check it out. We would really appreciate it. Also, remember, if you want to listen to our show before the rest of the world, why not join the ESO Network Patreon? For as little as a dollar a month, you could help support us here at the Earth Station One podcast. Check out the ESO Network Patreon at patreon.com. We want to hear from you sometime, so please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. Now you could also find Earth Station One in video format up on YouTube, and you could we're even now a YouTube podcast. So please check us out up there and tell all your friends about us. And as we always like to do, say, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. We would really appreciate that. On behalf of myself, Mr. Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ms. Tony Ann Marini, and of course, Mr. Nick Frazier. Thank you always as joining us, everybody. We do appreciate you guys for listening and hearing us ramble for quite a bit. It's always fun talking to you guys. We'll see you next time here on Earth Station One. Peace, and we are done. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.